0: to another episode of The Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Aaron Johnston. Aaron is the director of a company called South Coast Party Hire. And over the past 12 months, I really haven't had that many guests from the event rental side. So I figured why not dive, dive into it because that, that market has been truly decimated by the COVID-19 effects throughout the world. And I I really wanna learn more about how some of these companies are are managing and dealing with these ongoing challenges. Now, Erin's also the president for the events division within the Hiring Rental Association in Australia. So she's somebody that really gives back to the rental industry as well. So Erin, thank you for coming on the podcast. To start off with, can we talk about how you first became involved in the event rental industry?
1: sure I don't think it was something that I ever envisaged myself doing and I'm certainly not someone who was born into the industry either so uh, when my husband and I were living in Sydney we both wanted to move down to the south coast and neither of us had a job down this way we both really I guess wanted to experience the south coast lifestyle but we didn't want to be reliant on employers down here because it was a little bit difficult to find employment Um, I was working as an event manager in Sydney at the time uh, and obviously had exposure to a range of different style events in that in that particular role that I had and we saw a gap in the market down here for something that we I guess thought was something that the South Coast needed Uh, we certainly didn't start out with the intention to be what we are today uh, initially we, we sort of just used our savings to buy some plastic chairs and tables and a few other little bits and pieces and set up a website but it was certainly a small thing sort of even a side hustle you would say that we thought originally and yeah it's just grown into what it is today and we both love the industry it's something that we're both really passionate about and we enjoy it yeah
0: so is that something that you always thought that you would get involved in in terms of event hire or like because like, it started in a high business is very unique as well. And you are obviously exposed to the event side. So how did that yeah. sort of come about?
1: Well, look, when I Nathan didn't have any experience in the hire industry at all um, prior to us starting the business. I, as I said, was an event manager in Sydney, but my role was not in hire at all. It was sort of in actually the creation and running of the events. And I would use hire companies for different things. We had a friend down here that had a small jukebox business and he sort of kept saying to us, oh, I keep getting asked for tables and chairs. Every time I hire my jukeboxes, someone wants tables and chairs. And we sort of said to him, oh, do you want to go into business together? And he was like, no, I don't don't want to do that. I don't want to do chairs and tables. And we were like, oh, okay, well, do you mind if we do it? And he sort of said, oh, no, I don't mind. Um, So I guess that was how we identified the gap in the market for at that time, you know, 12, 13 years ago was just chairs and tables it was nothing more than that but yeah it was sort of we it it did kind of just fall into our laps in the sense that we probably wouldn't have seen that gap in the market if we didn't have a friend who was, you know, I guess servicing the event hire industry already in a sense.
0: So it'd be interesting to, to walk through the history of South Coast Party Hire because a lot of people don't know how to start a hire business. Like, like, what, yeah. like you mentioned that you bought some tables and chairs, but it'd be great to understand like what the evolution of the company was and how it evolved and just to yeah. talk through the timeline a little bit.
1: Well, we sort of, like I said, when we started, we certainly had no idea what it would become. And I don't think we even had any expectations, to be honest. Nathan, at the time I was pregnant with our first child and I had been working in going backwards and forwards to Sydney, working still. And we knew that wasn't a sustainable situation for us. And, you know, Nathan couldn't sort of find that sort of stable employment. We'd Purchased a lawn mowing business for him, which he was enjoying and really liked. So, like I said, we started this one as a side hustle. And so Nathan used to work Monday to Friday mowing lawns, and then he would um, deliver and pick up party hire equipment on the weekends. We did that for three years. In that time, Nathan's, I guess, lawn mowing run paid our mortgage and our life costs, and everything we made in the party hire side of what we were doing just went straight back into the business. So we were able to really start to grow and buy some more things. And, um, you know, obviously then as our first child got older, I was able to dedicate more of my time to it. And after three years, the first three years of Nathan working two jobs, we were able to sell the mowing run and start taking the party hire on as a full-time.
0: Are you spending your Fridays doing manual data entry? What could you replace that time with? Closing more deals? Spending time with family? What if you found a platform that could give you back your time and you got to choose what you wanted to do with it? Arrow is the sales and growth platform built for you. A simple and powerful way to close big deals. Unlock your growth today and visit www.try.rentalarrow.com. Again, that's www.try.rentalarrow.com. .com Now back to the podcast episode
1: job for both of us none of it was intentional and I guess that's probably one of the reasons why we were able to grow the business because we were as much as we were in everything we did with it we did because we were enjoying it not because we were trying to build it into this juggernaut or you know make a a squillion dollars we were just really interested in building a business that we could enjoy doing together and that sustained our lifestyle so so
0: if we go from tables and chairs like what's the extent of South Coast Party Hides today?
1: So I guess... Rewinding about those sort of 12, 13 years to when we first started doing, like first started South Coast Party Hire, weddings on the South Coast weren't really, you know, they, they happened, but it wasn't an industry down here. Um, I think looking back, a lot of the reason for that is there just wasn't a large amount of people that provided services to the wedding industry down this way, and there weren't a great amount of venues. So most people sort of got married in the capital cities. I guess as time went on, we really identified that weddings was an area that we could use to grow our business so we didn't pivot in a sense from the party hire side where we it was really you know just focusing on your mum and dad style backyard parties but we certainly identified another avenue for our business and that was weddings uh, obviously to service that industry we needed a lot more infrastructure and we needed a lot more of a range of equipment um, to be able to provide our clients with choice because um, obviously every client has a different view on what their wedding is going to be like. So over those years, sort of, sort of, I guess, you know, two or three years after we started our business, the wedding industry really started to take off on the South Coast. And I think that was where we really, where a lot of party hire businesses would have just hired out their standard equipment that they had been hiring out for many years. Nathan and I really identified that if we were to, you know, grow our range and uh, I guess bulk up our stock in terms of, you know, what we were able to to offer to our clients, we would certainly be able to take advantage of that market that was coming down to the South Coast. Uh, fast forward to today, and it's just an absolutely amazing industry on the South Coast. It's There are so many venues, so many vendors. It's like one big family down here now um that's for getting married Um, but yeah it's 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 a great feel on the south coast and i think the taking off of weddings on the south coast was really that pivotal point for us and i think we still would have been successful if we hadn't ridden that wave but we certainly yeah took that Opportunity and run with it.
0: Wow! And so, so what what's involved in in managing an event like a wedding from a higher perspective? Then, like, what's the extent of the services that you provide?
1: Oh, look it's it's an it's huge amount of infrastructure that comes in for a wedding. Uh, I guess you've you've got weddings that are at standalone venues where the venue might hire the shell, but you need to bring in all the infill, so the chairs, the tables, the plates, the cutlery. So we service a lot of venues on the south coast that require that level of infrastructure. We also service a lot of venues and private properties where people have a very large space of land and they simply want to create their own venue. Um, so go and, I guess, build their own wedding venue. Um, and that's the real attraction of what we do is that we create venue for our clients from the ground up so they get a choice on every aspect of what their wedding looks like from the floor to the ceiling to the walls the tables to the chairs plates cutlery glasses napkins lighting it's pretty much yeah a, a huge range of equipment that comes in for those weddings that are sort of ground up to style weddings and It isn't an option that everyone likes or chooses because there's certainly a lot of choices that need to be made and a lot of T's that need to be crossed and I's that need to be dotted. Um, But it certainly is a very rewarding way to have a wedding and it allows you to have complete personalization
0: Hmm. and i'm assuming there's a lot of work that goes into like the delivery and the installation and the setup all those sort of services as well So, like how does that fit into the business
1: huge amount i think sometimes and we spend a lot of time educating our clients on on the work that's involved in what we do uh You know, it's, and I don't definitely don't sort of judge them for not understanding the process, but we sort of like to take them on that journey and help them to understand what's involved. Um, You know, most of our clients will book anywhere from 12 to 24 months in advance. And we will, I guess, start, start that journey with them then and it's one where we take our job very seriously in a sense that you know we're not transactional at all our clients will come to us and ask for tell us that they're getting married in this particular way and that they need our assistance and we essentially become sort of I guess their right hand person in organizing all of that event infrastructure that has to come in to create that that event so over that 12 to 24 month period we will we will ensure that everything that they need is on their order we provide them with loads of choice on items we provide them with loads of advice on bringing everything together from a styling perspective as well we're not stylists and we don't do that but we certainly like to you know help them pick pieces that They sort of go with the style that they're looking for and that kind of thing. So um, and in terms of the actual delivery and I guess you would call bump in and bump out process, this is extremely labour intensive. So in the lead up to someone's wedding, it would, you know, there'd be days that go into preparing the equipment at the warehouse, ensuring it's all ready to be transported safely, loaded onto the trucks uh, and, and all of that. Um, and then in terms of actually going out to site, you know, to build a standard size marquee with a floor and um, all of the, the trimmings and infill, we'd be looking at a crew of anywhere from, you know, six to 10 guys, you know, anywhere from six to eight hours really um, for a bump-in. So we allocate a full day for, for each one of our bump-ins unless they are of a huge nature, in which case we would obviously dedicate more days to it. But the man hours involved in getting it perfect are intense. And then on the flip side, we have to bring it all back, pack it all down, bring it all back, clean it, and then turn it around and obviously have it ready for the next client as well. And that in itself is a huge job. We've got a, a, our sort of, I guess, operational team is divided into site and warehouse crews that manage each part of the process um, to ensure that it's yeah perfect almost almost perfect every time at every step
0: yeah because i could just imagine the pressure around someone's wedding their big day hey they want this particular item on the on the table and there's one missing and just one thing missing can ruin as you probably know with weddings can ruin someone's day so it's all about getting that that perfect thing ready for the the preparation and the delivery and lots of stuff and i can't imagine the 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 work that goes into making sure that it all work goes through correctly
1: there's so much work and i think the reality years is that that you can't just employ people to make things perfect you have to they have to you have to have a culture of high performance high quality care for the outcome care for each other and we've found over the years that that that's been the way that we've been able to I guess keep our bar as high as we have is that we employ people we bring them into our culture and and our our outcome for our client is what we aim for as a team every single day, but Mm. it's a challenge and we don't always get it right. Anyone who tells you that they do is telling a porcupine because it certainly is, um, there are so many moving parts and we do miss things. But what I always tell our clients is that if we miss something and something isn't done the way it's supposed to be done or the way we would expect it to be done, all they need to do is talk to us and we will rectify it. And that's, you know, something that I know all of our clients would attest to is our Ability to come back around, circle back, and make sure that everything's right. But that culture of creating, I guess, that level of excellence that we know when our crews are on site that they'll be looking for things that are wrong because they want it to be perfect every time.
0: So. Mm. I've got quite a funny story about my wedding with the the planning. So yeah. we did a bit a bit of like my wife did most of the planning and everything. But one thing that we did was uh, we had these drummers that were coming to the yeah. event as part of it, and they were they were late for whatever reason and oh my. i i i spoke to the well maybe my wife did one of us spoke to the the caterer at the time and we asked hey like what's when's the drummers coming up and they're like oh yeah they're on their way let me just give them a call to make sure that how far they are and the drummers said oh yeah we're we're about two hours away I'm like two hours like where are you going they're like it's in canberra isn't it and we're in sydney and so they were driving to the wrong city to do this oh drumming
1: <laughs> so, i
0: don't know it was just one of those things where it's like just go with the flow like it's part of the event. Like if they turn up, they turn up if they don't, but it's one of those things that like, it can, if you let it affect you like those little things in an event, you got to just stay calm. It is just part of yeah. the, part of the process, I guess, but it's, yeah. uh, it's I can definitely see where the pressure is in, in providing so many moving parts to an event. Uh, to, to, as you said, it's probably a good point to say to build the culture as a team, to want to always deliver at a very high quality and, and be and almost feel fulfillment in helping that event, become a success
1: yeah 100 percent. every one of our staff absolutely love that feeling of walking away from a job you know one of our core values is around you know finishing each day with a sense of fulfillment so they that is what they strive for every day and for themselves but also for our clients as well so
0: yeah that's awesome so, so what's your involvement with the Hire and Rental Association?
1: So when we first started our business, as I mentioned, we were very green. Um, we didn't really know a lot about the industry and we were learning on the run. I didn't find sort of much solace in reaching out to other businesses who are similar. It's a very competitive industry. So often, you know, sometimes you you can meet some great people, and I certainly have over the years, but other times people are very happy to keep to themselves, which is also 100% fine. So I reached out to the industry association. I'd actually, one of the roles that I'd had in my past life was as a, as a event manager for an industry association, not, not this particular one, but um I guess I understood the role of an industry association and really thought that that would assist us in building some connections and getting some resources so so I joined the Hire and Rental Association about 13 years ago, purely and simply, I reckon, initially to get access to their terms and conditions documents that they allowed people to use as a template, which was, for us, was a fantastic resource because we didn't have the money to pay a lawyer at that time to create us terms and conditions. So they were so extensive and, and, you know, were really great for small business like ours. So that was that was honestly our original reason for joining. Um, looking back on that now, I just laugh because the amount of benefits benefit we've got out of being part a member of the association over the last 13 years has been really amazing um, the first five years we really didn't have any time we were raising well, at that time two children and it was just the two of us and a few more staff so we didn't really have time to utilize the services of the HRA make connections with people we couldn't go to events we couldn't it was just too hard there was just too, too many balls in the air for us at that time but in the last sort of five to eight years we've really been able to to slow down a little bit we've got a lot of staff now that help take the pressure off and we've really enjoyed getting to know other members making connections with people and obviously just I guess meeting people who are going through the same thing that you are is is incredible Uh, I've also uh, I don't know how many years now maybe two years two or three years I've been on the board of the HRIA as the events president as well so there's a lot of challenges that affect our sector of the higher industry, and I think that you know over the years it's really become quite apparent to me that we really need to be on the front foot in trying to advocate for a lot of the issues that that our industry faces, um, and just raising the profile of us because. I feel like, you know, general hire is, is a huge, massive chunk of the hire uh, sector. So often that is what people think of when they think of hire. And I would love to eventually be able to, I guess, pivot that or include events as, as you know, as, as front of mind, as as general hire for people when they think of the hire industry. So, mm. yeah, so it's been a great experience being involved in the Industry Association and I've loved the last few years where we've really been able to maximise that value of connection with other people
0: that's awesome who would have thought yeah. no exposure to president of the event side <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum
1: yeah yeah no it's it's great fun and um they've got their the secretary it's amazing and they've got some really awesome programs like I've been a, a mentor for the with the women in hire for the last few years as well and I just as much as that program is designed for the mentees to get a lot out of that program I find as a mentor I get so much out of it so it's yeah they're really doing a lot of great things for our industry as a whole so
0: That's awesome. And so yeah. talk about one of the topics then that's really affected the event side. So so COVID-19 has obviously just really put a, a hold on really so many events and has really crippled a lot of businesses and just their revenue. Yeah. So how, how has COVID-19 effect, impacted your business? Just so we can really understand the effects and how have you adapted?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I guess going back 18 months to March, 2020, um, when sort of, I guess, COVID, we didn't really know a lot about. It. and then all of a sudden it just read its ugly head in March and and slowly but surely we started getting calls from clients and we were like oh this is a bit weird like what's going on here how's this going to affect us and Nathan and I one of our biggest strengths is you know responding quickly to things and and you know I guess really coming up with strategies that help us to to ensure our business stays viable but we'd never experienced anything like this before we'd experienced the bushfires in the January which had a massive impact on our business as well on the south coast but this was just starting to become much bigger than that and I I sort of remember the one day and I can't remember what the date was but it was in late March where all of a sudden we lost everything overnight it was just like every single job that we had in our system for the next you know four to five months just disappeared and it's (laughs) It was the most crazy feeling because I had the girls saying to me, what do we do? This person's calling. What am I going to say? And all of a sudden I just started laughing and I was just like, wow, I really don't know what else to do but laugh because if I don't laugh, I might cry. So, you know, we sort of didn't really have a plan. And I think looking back now, I, I can see that there was no plan to be made. There was nothing that we could have done. It was out of our hands. And I think that's for a lot of people, that's the struggle is that, you know, you it's out of your control. You you experience day to day so much control over what you do in your business, how you run it, who you hire what your prices are you know whether you take clients on whether you you know chase quotes or or book jobs but this is just like it was it was just totally out of our control so you know i guess in 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 a nutshell we lost every 9.9% of our work overnight so it was it was pretty gut-wrenching um to watch something that you built from scratch torn down overnight but we're still here
0: Wow, I, I can't imagine the the feeling and yeah as you said, you can't plan for that sort of stuff. And the worst part I'm <laughs> thinking about it is in Australia like we opened up, it started again. We're like, hey, we're back, events yep. are back and then it shut down again. And so it's like yep. you thought you were coming back and then yeah, so that, that's yeah. tough.
1: And I think that's probably been the hardest thing is the roller coaster so at every step of the way like our focus has been our staff and you know keeping them informed with our financial position making sure they understand what we can do for them what we can't do for them and you know Nathan and I've always been extremely honest with our staff about our position and they they know and trust us like and I know that they all knew we we were doing what we had to do when we stood everyone down, but it still killed us to do it. So, um, but you know, then, then JobKeeper came in. So that was a positive. Um, We closed our business for about six weeks um, during the real height of that uh, period from sort of, you know, most of April and three quarters of May. Um, So we just took that time to reflect on, you know, what was happening and what regroup and decide how we were going to move ahead with everything. Um, The phones died completely, like, literally zero calls, zero emails. Because at that time, you've got to think no one knew what the future was at all. Like, you know, uh, it was just there was no future for events at that point. So it just just died. Um, So that was, I guess, like you said, it was it was that roller coaster, that's probably been the biggest killer. um, When we sort of came back in, you know, September, October last year when things started to pick up again for us, we were inundated, like we were absolutely smashed. And the challenge with that was we'd lost, you know, 80% of our staff. So we, you know, because there were a lot of people that felt unsure about the future of events when they were stood down for long periods of time. So there were a lot of people that took the opportunity to find employment in other industries that they thought might be more stable in the future. Um, So we did lose... um, a large percentage of our our team, which was really difficult um, because we lost we have such an incredible training program that we've built ourselves within our business. And we train people to within an inch of their lives. And that takes time. It's not, it's not an unskilled industry that we're in. It's one that requires a lot of skill to be able to install marquees and deliver equipment so we lost that so so we limped through the end of last year and the beginning of this year with 80 percent we 80 percent of our staff um were new to the business and it had a huge impact on that culture that I talked about before that we built um because there wasn't enough of us here to to build it So we had so many new people that just were just running around like chickens with their heads chopped off, no idea what they were doing and not enough of us that had that foundation understanding of what we stood for. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was hard from sort of October last year, October, November, quieter. And then, yeah, come January, February this year, it just went off again. So most of those bookings were postponed bookings that we were delivering. Um, So, uh, but nevertheless, we were we were just stoked to be back working again. To be honest, and it and it really did start to feel normal again. And then yeah, then June hits again and back again, back back into it. And I think there was this another small lull in October last year where there was an outbreak as well, or December, I think it was. But you know, I had a had an email from a client the other day who was who was a little bit upset that you know, we weren't refunding deposits and she had to transfer a booking and how it was devastating for her. And as much as I totally understand and empathize with everyone's situation, like I said to her, you know, everyone has a story, (laughs) like everyone's got struggles and, you know, we're staring down the barrel of rebuilding our business again for a third time in 18 months. Like it's, yeah, it's going to be hard.
0: All right, everyone, we are back. We recalibrated Erin's back on in the right mindset to continue the podcast. So yeah, it's, it's very emotional, everything that we've been talking about. And you can imagine going through almost losing your business potentially is something that's tough and, and working your whole life towards. So yeah, really appreciate Aaron talking through everything. So honestly. So something I did want to touch on is any advice that you might give to any other event rental businesses that are struggling at the moment. Yep,
1: yep, for sure. I think um, there's... It took us a while to get into the mindset of, I guess, you know, into a growth mindset really of looking at this as an opportunity to to better ourselves and our business, which, you know, I won't lie. There were certain days where I didn't think I wanted to think that way. But, um, you know, Nathan's very much, he's been like the strength to keep sort of going forward and finding ways to make things better. But one, you know, we definitely did a lot of work with our staff. I think that was probably our biggest learning was how important our staff are, how they're the backbone of our business really. So we've spent a lot of time engaging with them. Um, we've spent a lot of time setting up initiatives in-house that that I guess increase their wellbeing and their mental health. Um, a lot, a lot of training so that when we do kick off, we're ready to go. So staff has probably been our our biggest focus. Knowing what support's available out there as well. I think a lot of businesses have struggled and like to know what's available for them out there and how they can access support financially or be you know be it whatever they need so just spending the time to understand what it is that's available out there for you the HRIA have been really good at communicating that to members as well so that's been really good but just surrounding yourself with with the people that can help you in that area as well work on your business that was the other thing we learned we never ever ever got a chance to work on our business we were always working in it we were so busy and busy just keeping everyone going and keeping the staff motivated and and making sure everything that was going out was perfect. But the lull has really given us that opportunity to take a step back and have a look at the business from a different angle and work on it and not in it. And it's been one of our goals for years to get to that point where we can work on it and not in it. And I really can say we have made some incredible changes to our business that we probably would never have had the time to do if it wasn't for this. So we certainly can thank COVID for that um planning like what when you're working in your business making sure that you're planning for the future like you still need to make plans i know that there's no certainty at the moment but making small plans for if this happens at this point then we will do this you know really i guess thinking about what's going to happen next and and trying to come up with strategies for different scenarios that's been frustrating at times but also really good because when things have happened and we've already got a plan for it then it just goes into action and that's been really good for us as well so probably a couple more things focusing on on sales like really I guess up using that downtime as well to upsell the clients that you've still got for weddings who are obviously further away from the quieter times Um, you know talking to them engaging with them finding out whether they've got everything they need on their order you know really delving deep into that and using that time to To, yeah, definitely look at upselling them in a way that's not, you know, sounding like you're being a salesperson, but really maximizing the value of your orders. And I think that connection with your clients is something that people are craving. It doesn't matter who you are at the moment or what what industry you're in, you are isolated, everyone's isolated. So if you're calling your clients and just asking if they want to go through their orders or, you know, connecting with them, don't be afraid to ask them what their plans are. Like we have hit our clients head on. You know, when we got to August, we hit all our clients up for September. What are your plans? What do you want to do? What, you know, coming scenario planning with them about what it looks like, they're going to feel comfortable because they know you're on board with their plan, but also, you can start planning for the future as well because if you know half your clients from a certain month away aren't interested well then you won't be resourcing up for the month Mm -hmm. ahead so just communicating with them a lot of people are scared to call their clients because they think they might cancel or you know but just engaging with them being empathetic but also and having a clear standpoint on where you are on refunding deposits or transferring bookings or policies that you've got so that when you get asked, because you will, be able to answer really directly, succinctly, and just making sure that the clients are all feeling comfortable. So that they're, they're probably my little tidbits. And I know they've worked really well for us. So they've kept our team engaged, but also kept us connected to our clients.
0: That's great. And so as an outsider, that someone isn't in the event rental industry, like what, what could someone like me or even like the community do to support the event rental industry?
1: Look, I think at the moment, like we don't have any unrealistic expectations of, of the community in the sense that we know it's hard. Everyone's struggling at the moment, financially, potentially, emotionally. Um, a lot of people don't want to book their weddings because they're scared or they don't want to lose money. I think just taking a leap of faith there is it's the same as you know when you say oh we want to have a baby but it's got to be the right time it's it, there's no right time anymore for anything i don't think i think there used to be a plan that you'd you know you'd get engaged you'd get married you'd buy a house you'd have a kid like it's just there's no right time in for anything anymore and i think you need to if you are considering getting married or having an event back the people like the local businesses in your area Talk to them. Be upfront. Ask what their policies are. Understand that you know you you can have a really positive impact by just continuing to plan. Whether your event is now or in twelve or twenty four months, like the planning that you do now and the deposits that you pay keep these businesses going, um, and they will they will stand by you. Like our industry is is one like I said earlier that it's like a lot of them are big families that all work together as, as one and to bring people's wedding days together. So I think you'll find that most of the time people in our industry are very empathetic towards everyone's plight to, to keep moving forward.
0: Mm, definitely. And so who, who do you, let's, let's switch it up a little bit and learn a bit more about you. So who do you think played a big influence on your career as a mentor?
1: Look, when I was first, when I was still, I was still at university and I went for a job with a health insurance company and I remember sitting across the table from these two or three women it may have been at that time and I would have only been about 20 years old I reckon at the most maybe even 19 and I was going for a role that was way above my experience way above my ability but there was something about it that just attracted me to it and I met these three ladies I had my interview and I eventually got the job and I met at that time I met woman called Jackie and she was she was a hurricane in all the right ways (laughs) and none of the bad ways she was an incredible person she was just she was fast-paced she was she had high expectations of me she she knew I wasn't at the level I needed to be to do the job but she could see that I I was able to learn quickly and and she basically took me under her wing and um, I worked with her for the next five or six years and I went to a different organization with her after she left that particular one and she's been a constant in my life since I was around 20 years old now I reckon so she's got an incredible business acumen and she says it exactly how it is which is why I love her so much but she has guided me through the last sort of 15 years of owning a business and um, she's she's been a great support for us. And it was, she moved overseas a few years ago and she came back at one point and it was so incredible because she was back just for a short period of time in between contracts and we were actually able to offer her a consulting role to our business to help us um, work on a big project that we wanted to implement. And it was it was amazing to have a, her working with us and obviously, you know, we probably couldn't have paid her what she was worth, but she really, it was an incredible experience to have been working with her again and not sort of just having her give me feedback on, on different scenarios. So, yeah, but she's back overseas again now. So, um, yeah, but she's probably been my biggest influence in terms of, you know, an outsider mentoring me through my career. So...
0: That's awesome. And so you said that you're meant you're involved in the, the women in hire program and those mentor programs within the equipment rental industry. Uh yes. so the higher rental association. So like how yes. important do you think it is for people to have mentors?
1: Oh look, I think it's an invaluable experience. I really do. Like I think it's if you can find the right person, uh you you will find someone that will be, I guess, a sounding board for you for life and for anything, personal, business, like it's just, you you need to find the right person. And it sometimes doesn't always happen the first time you get mad. It might happen naturally, the way it happened for me. It may happen in a situation like with the women in higher program where you're matched up with someone and you have an instant connection with them, but There's nothing better than having someone who's completely separate from your life and your business or your family, who's able to just give you unbiased advice, tell you when you're being crazy, tell you when you're on the right track, or really just bring you back down when you're struggling. Um, So I just think it's it's something that every person should have that one person, at least who's able to guide them and show them the way.
0: Mm, That's very cool. So if you could give some advice to your younger self, what would you say?
1: Oh God, that's a tough one. <laughs> Probably not to work so hard, I think. I think Nathan and I were both high achievers, we're both got very high expectations of ourselves and each other but i think that's probably that can be attributed to the success that we've had in our business for sure but it can also be attributed to the fact that you know we sort of we we probably have worked too hard i think and we've we've got three kids we need we certainly should be putting more of our time into them we're starting to realize this um obviously don't get me wrong we spend A decent amount of time with our kids, and and we love being with them. But I think there are times we've been with them, but we haven't been present. Um, I know Nathan's a lot better at that than me, but certainly I I struggle with that part of being a parent and a business owner and always being switched on. So I wish I had have learned earlier on in my life how to switch off my brain. That probably would have been. So if I could tell my younger self anything, it would be learn how to switch off and don't always. Be so wrapped up in work because although it is satisfying, it's certainly not the be all and end all.
0: Yeah. What are some things you can do to practice to switch off? Like, have you thought through that much?
1: Oh, look, I Nathan and I have recently discovered reading as something that we've we really enjoy. We obviously it's been a it's been a really good way to teach me to switch off, but also a good way to learn different things. I think my biggest learning lately has been um, around my device, really, my phone. I found that that was stuck to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's like I was waiting for the next call to come through, waiting for the next problem, always checking it, always looking at it. And I think I was catastrophizing my life that it was, you know, going to blow up into all these millions of pieces. But separating myself from my phone has been probably the best decision I've made in a long time and, and certainly one that's helped helping me on my way to, to taking that advice I'm a newbie at taking my own advice and I, I love giving advice but I'm terrible at taking my own advice so um, but I it's certainly been a focus for me lately is and switching off and you know not checking my phone all the time deleting social media from my phone um and just yeah realizing that if i'm if i don't have my phone on me all the time that's okay nothing's mm. gonna fall apart the world won't end
0: yeah i feel like a big thing for me is i turned off notifications on most apps yes
1: yes nathan told me to do that too <laughs>
0: yes yes yeah and yeah. like i can't believe how little i check my emails on my phone now like before yeah. it was just like every time i came in i was just like checking 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 it's just like yeah. it's like like a zombie on your phone yeah,
1: it, it's an it is a real addiction like and it's only since i've started to cut the addiction that i've realized that it is it is such an, an addiction like so that's probably been yeah that's been an incredible change for me and one i hope will continue once things start to get busier again i know it will be mm-hmm. hard but
0: <laughs> put the phone down yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I like to ask this question to everyone as well. How do you define success?
1: I think I think success is just, there's no, for me, there's no crazy definition that I'm aiming for a point that I'll get to in my life where I go, yep, I'm successful. Um, I think for me, it's just, it's really about, growing as an individual every day so making sure that I'm always learning something new and always yeah, growing as a person personally and professionally Um, probably my biggest goal in life and one that I will certainly see as my measure of success when I'm older will, will be my children obviously and helping them to to grow into incredible human beings, but also the amount of people that I can help grow and find their purpose in life as well. And that's something we work on a lot with our staff here and something that speaks very highly to our our core values around growth and learning. But just there's no greater feeling in life than watching someone achieve something that you've contributed to and you've helped them to get to that point. Everyone's the master of their own destiny, but certainly along the way, people are come in and out of your life and, and allow you allow them to help you get there. So I love being that person for people. Um, Nathan and I've both got a real passion for that. And I think, I think at the end of the day, that's how I'll probably, other than raising my three beautiful children, I think my measure of success will be the number of people that I'm able to touch and help grow in some way.
0: That's awesome. Aaron, look, I really, hope the event rental industry picks up and this whole COVID thing goes away and your business can go back to normal and all that sort of stuff. But thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast.
1: Yeah, no worries at all. It was a real pleasure. And yeah, I think being vulnerable and um, putting yourself out there is a hard thing to do. So I certainly hope that that the message gets out to all of the businesses in our industry that it's okay to be struggling. Just make sure you reach out for help.
0: This podcast episode was proudly supported by our premier partner, Ken Altair.